Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the village and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not to go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to the heavens and blessed and broke the loaves. He gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were filled, and they took up what was left over, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men besides the women and children. Think the word of God to the people of God. Thanks be to God. So today we begin our stewardship series, Waking Up to Gratitude. Now when you walked in this morning, um, the usher should have given you a Brexville UMC gratitude journal. Does everybody have their gratitude journal? Hold up your gratitude journal. Where's your gratitude journal? Good job. Okay, so um, if you didn't get one, um, you can raise your hand and an usher will be by, um, or you can grab one on the way out. Um, they, these are a simple tool to help us all to wake up to the simple um, things of gratitude in our lives. On the inside, if you open it up, you will see um, instructions for it, that every day you are to write down three things that you are grateful for. You can write them down in the morning, in the evening, at lunchtime, whenever it works for you. And it can be a list, a journal entry, um, it can be big things, small things, this is your list, your journal. It's no one else's, and so this is for you um, to help you to get in tune with gratitude. Um, and the challenge is to do this for each, every day for the 21 days um, of our gratitude series. And there will be prompts and reminders on Facebook and Instagram um, to help you in that way, but really all you need is a pen or a pencil and this, or a crayon or a marker or whatever, and this book. Um, the definition of gratitude is in here at the top, and it is the quality of being thankful and a readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. Being grateful is a posture. It's a mindset, a way of seeing the world. And our hope is that during these next few weeks, we can begin to cultivate this lens, this posture of gratitude. Now, like I said before, this isn't your mother's stewardship series. Yes, we will talk about money and finances, but more importantly than that, it's, we will remember how our relationship with God impacts the way that we understand our lives and the way that we understand why we give our time and our energy and our money to the growing of God's kingdom through this church. But let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord. Help us to be 
receptive to what you have to say to us this morning and challenge us, God, to live more fully for you than we ever have before. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. So in our house, we have what we like to call or refer to as the ice cream problem. If you have more than two children in your household, or if you ever had more than two children in your household, and you've ever given them both something to eat or drink at exactly the same time, then you know what I'm talking about. One night, we had ice cream after dinner, and my husband, Russ, dished up the bowls for each one of us, and then he placed those bowls in front of the children. And Joseph, the nine-year-old, looked in Corey's bowl, his younger sister, and whined, Dad, she has more ice cream than I do. As if her perceived extra morsel of ice cream meant that Joseph would never have enough, enough ice cream ever in his life and he would be deprived of its sweet goodness forevermore. It was the worst thing that ever happened. Now, this was after a particularly exhausting family meal filled with eat your broccoli first. Corey, chew with your mouth closed. Joseph, stop kicking your sister. And all of those things that family dinners are made of. So I thought to myself, Russ is going to lose his ever-loving mind on our son. But because my husband continues to amaze me, he calmly looked at Joseph and he said, the only time you look into someone else's bowl is to see if they have enough. Never to see if you have enough. The only time you look into someone else's bowl is to see if they have enough. Never to see if you have enough. But often, that's what we find ourselves doing. Comparing what someone else has to what we have. Thinking either that they have so much and, and it's so much better than what we have or that we don't have enough because it's all over in their bowl. That is a scarcity mentality. It's a zero-sum paradigm where there's only so much to go around, whether it's ice cream or time or money or love or promotions or whatever. And it's living out of this fear that there will not be enough or that you will not be enough. It's thinking, I don't have enough time. I won't be enough if I don't pursue this specific professional opportunity. If someone gets compliments and I don't get a compliment right then, then I'm not good enough. There's a French philosopher called Jean-Paul Sartre who believed that scarcity is the fundamental issue of human existence. That there is one pie, and if someone takes a great big piece of that pie, that means there is less for everyone else. So, because there's only one pie, I need to make sure that I get my piece of pie. And maybe I get a little bit more to make sure that I'll have enough for tomorrow, just in case. That way, we don't have to be afraid for the future. But the future never comes. Tomorrow, you're worrying about enough 
again for that day and the next day. You're always worrying about having enough. This living in fear and worry that there won't be enough is not what God intends for us. We see that clearly in the Gospel of Matthew when Jesus says, look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet our God in heaven feeds them. Aren't you more important than they? Stop worrying then over the questions such as, what are we to eat? Or what are we to drink? Or what are we to wear? God knows everything you need. Seek first God's reign and God's justice, and all these things will be provided for you. Now, we hear this and we think, oh, good, okay. But we also know that it's easier said than done. It's a large part of our culture to store away in barns, as Jesus says, because we never know how much will really be enough. What does tomorrow hold? But what does Jesus say at the end here? He said, God knows everything you need. Seek first God's reign and God's justice, and all these things will be provided for you. God does not want us to live in scarcity. And through God, we are able to live in abundance. An abundance mentality is often thought of as the opposite of a scarcity mentality. With abundance, there isn't just one pie. There are many different pies. Maybe there are even different flavors. And if you see a large piece on someone else's plate, that doesn't mean that you can't have your very own large piece of pie. Living out of abundance comes from a deep thankfulness and confidence in who God is and what God will provide you with. Here is a chart that shows the difference between scarcity and mentality, uh, and abundance mentality. With scarcity, there is never enough. You are pessimistic, you're thinking small, and you're avoiding all of the risks. You're trying to get by with less because you're fearful of what tomorrow will bring, and you want to make sure that you have enough. If someone else has a big piece, then you are entitled to a big piece, and you're fearful that you won't get what you deserve. But with abundance, there's always more. You're able to be optimistic about the future because it's not just in your hands. You're able to think big and embrace risk because you're trusting in God and in what God can do. You ask yourself how you can give more than is expected of you because you know there's going to be enough. And you live out of a place of thankfulness and confidence rather than entitlement and fear. Which mentality are you living in right now? In this morning's scripture focus from Matthew that Anastasia read for us, the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, the disciples' view of life was from a lens of scarcity in this story. They're exhausted from following Jesus around and helping him teach and heal everyone who came to him. And and just before this story, they heard that John the Baptist, one of their beloved friends, had just been killed. So to top it all off, 
they're grieving. They're tired, they're grieving, and they're hungry. And it's the end of a long day. And so they say to Jesus, come on, it's really late. We're out in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing to eat out here. And so send these people away. Tell them it's time to go home and to get their own supper, and we'll come back tomorrow even. But let's rest and let's find some supper for ourselves. In just about every way, the disciples' resources appear scarce compared to their need. They don't have any energy anymore. They don't have any patience for the people anymore. And they don't have any food. But Jesus doesn't follow the advice of his disciples and send people away. Instead, Jesus says here, yes, you're right. These people are hungry, but we're not going to send them away. You feed them. And the disciples question, well, how are we supposed to do that, Jesus? We only have five loaves and two fish. Only five loaves and two fish. We can't feed the over 5,000 people here. They didn't have faith, and they didn't understand Jesus' abilities. But Jesus simply replied, bring what you have to me. And so the disciples did. They brought the fish and the bread, and they told everyone to have a seat. And then they took, Jesus took the bread, and he gave thanks to God and broke the bread, and he gave it to his disciples, who then gave it to the people who were gathered there. And the crowd was huge. If there were 5,000 men, that meant that there were at least 15 to 20,000 people in total, when you count women and children. That's a big crowd for five loaves and two fish. Yet all of those people ate, and they were satisfied. They didn't just get a morsel. They were satisfied. And there were 12 baskets left over. There was more than enough. Now there's a similar story in 1 Kings, where Elijah encounters the widow of Zarephath. And she's about to run out of food because there is a severe drought in the area. But because Zarephath agrees to Elijah's request for food and giving him that food before she fed her own family, then God enabled Zarephath's small amount of flour and olive oil to last until the drought was over. God, with God, there was enough. The disciples, they would have surely known this story because as observant Jewish men, they would have memorized much, if not all, of Scripture. But still, they failed to remember what God had done back then in the past. And then consequently, they failed to see what Jesus was able to do currently in front of them when they were faced with the thousands of people that night. Living a life of abundance means that we're, our faith is the lens in which we live our life. It means focusing on the provider rather than what is provided. Focusing on the abilities of God rather than the number in our bank account or the number of things on our to-do list and the amount of time we have to do them in. But we're human, and we fail to remember what God has done for us in the past and therefore what God is able to do for us now. So we need to remind ourselves over and over and over again how God has provided. That could be why remember is 
one of the overarching themes of scripture. It occurs some 269 times in scripture. Remember is there, because God knows how easily we forget. Remember what I did back then, how I helped them and I gave them what they needed? I will do the same for you, God says. Remember who God is, what God cares about, and how God does give us the things that we need. That is a lens of abundance. Our God is the creator of the cosmos, the redeemer of the entire world, the daily sustainer of our everyday lives. Our God cares about each one of us here, each individual in this world. And there is nothing that we can do to make God love us less than God does. Our God has abundance at God's disposal. After feeding those people, 15 to 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish, Jesus had 12 baskets left over. Remember these truths. Keep them at the forefront of your minds, and, and that will give us the trust and the confidence that we need in God to live a life of abundance. And it helps us to remember that the leftovers of God's abundance are, are far greater than the scarcity that the world offers. But often abundance is confused with having our needs and our desires met. But scripture suggests something different. Abundance isn't, being, isn't just having everything that we want. Abundance is being close to Jesus, giving Jesus what we have and trusting him to provide for what we need. Abundance is responding yes when Jesus says, bring what you have to me. Abundance is sufficient. It's enough. When Russ and I were first married, we, we, we didn't have much, and that's putting it lightly. I was in school full-time. Russ was a struggling photographer at the time, and he hated it, and so it was just awful. And that's why he's a chef now, and it's much better. <laughs> and Joseph was a tiny, itty-bitty baby. And we were struggling financially. And one of the saving graces, though, was that Russ can look in any pantry and he can come up with a meal, no matter what is in there. And it will be a feast and it will be wonderful. And so one night he made some type of, all I can remember is that it was some type of bean casserole. And after he was done cooking, he set it on the door of the toaster oven because we were using the toaster oven and not the real oven to save on electricity. And the casserole dish was on this little toaster oven, it was on the, the door of it, and it slipped and it flipped the whole toaster oven and the casserole dish fell on the floor and the glass shattered on the tile floor. That was all the food that we had. And I still, like, I still tremble a little bit thinking about it because I remember looking at that and thinking, what are we going to eat? <laughs> we don't have anything. And, and to this day, neither of us remember what we ate that night. But we do know that we're here now and that somehow we got through 
those difficult moments. We had enough to eat that night, and we had enough to eat the next day, and Joseph was well-fed and cared for, and that my grandma gave us food from her garden and from her pantry, and that we ate over at Russ's parents a lot because they were down the road, and, and it was free childcare too. <laughs> and, and we got by with what we had. And each year, things would get a little bit better and a little bit better, but we would always have those moments of, how are we gonna make this work? We'd look at our bank account, we'd look at the bills, we'd look at what we, what we needed, and we didn't know how it was gonna work. But we would look back at that moment and think, God got us through. God will get us through. It, it will work however it works, because we trusted God, and we trusted, we trusted that God was going to provide for us. It might not have been what we wanted, but it was enough. God has, over and over and over again, provided for us. We have always had enough. Enough is really the opposite of scarcity. You have enough ice cream in your bowl. It may not be the chocolate sundae with sprinkles that your neighbor has, but it's what you need in this moment. It is sufficient, it is good, and it is God's gift to you. Amen? Let's pray. Most holy God, we thank you that you provide for us. Without doubt, you provide for us. And sometimes that comes in others helping. God, we thank you for those around us who lift us up and support us, who encourage us, those people that you have placed in our lives to be, to be you in the flesh. God, help us to live with a mentality of abundance, knowing that you are enough, that we are enough because of you and that we will always have what we need. Thank you, God. Amen.